Welcome to Happy Times and Places in which I, Toby Haydoke, or somebody who is the spitting image of me, uh, watches a Doctor Who story nominated by a friend of mine. My friend has chosen their favourite things about each episode, and I have to guess what those favourite things are. My name is Steve O'Brien, I'm a film and TV journalist, and for this episode I've nominated Black Orchid. Well, welcome back, everybody. You heard there Steve O'Brien, a wonderful science fiction journalist, uh, funny man, nice man, uh, Steve, knows his stuff, wears it lightly. I have to say, as a, as a young, uncool, um, well, as a, as a getting a bit older, post-university, uncool, science fiction nerd, Steve always seemed a bit rock and roll to me. Um, so I, I hope some of his rock and rollness rubs off on my corduroy hide, on my uh, on my tweedy aspect is sprinkled with some of his stardust, his spiky-haired stardust. Anyway, thanks to Steve, such a nice chap. Uh, glad he's done this. Um, but he's chosen Black Orchid, uh, and I've moved it up the order because Steve was wanted to know when I was going to do one of his. So you're gonna have to wait. For spoilers, Boomtown, because I've done quite a lot of Ecclestons as well. There aren't many Ecclestons left. They were, they were snapped up very quickly. Um, so Boomtown and Black Orchid, never one to follow the herd, was Mr. O'Brien. Uh, but that's, I think, partially because, you know, Steve got a, I think Steve got a list uh, that was slightly depleted. Um, anyway, um, let us see what Steve and I make of Black Orchid Part 2, and I am going to press play in 3, 2, 1. I've pressed it. I've pressed it. It's just taking ages now. Um, And now I've got the blue circle thing. So it's going to go in 3, 2, 1. Nope. (laughs) There we go. Started now. Uh, (laughs) Right. Anyway. So there we go. So you're probably out of sync already. Um, and this story is out of sync with much that surrounds it. So we've just come from, I suppose we've just come from another historical, a semi-historical uh, in the visitation. So, you know, back in time. I, th- I And I think Doctor Who does d- do well going back in time because I love the... I, I, I love the, the futuristic being grafted onto the past, the past, especially all of that stuff that the BBC does so well and that British actors do so well. Uh, having, you know, part of Doctor Who is about, you know, shoving the unexpected onto onto a recognisable template in a way. You know, Yeti on your loo in Tootingbeck, you know, time travellers in your Miss Marple mystery. And yes, and of course, we used to do these sorts of things very well. I mean, they continue to be popular, don't they? Down, down, you know, I remember everyone, you know, being surprised by the success of Downton Abbey. And it's like, well, that's the sort of thing we've done really well all the time. We just didn't for a bit. Um, and, 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 you know, they, 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 they travel well as well, because this, this is this is what. You know, I'm sure there are some Americans who still think that Britain's pretty much like everybody in in, in this country is pretty much like everyone in this story. <laughs> um, and I and I believe there are. I mean, there are still. Uh, you know, I'm from the countryside in the middle of nowhere, and uh, I know there are people who live in these sorts of big old houses who are probably slightly out of touch with what's going on in uh, in a city Manchester, for example. But there we go. Um, that's a nice mystery, the dead man in the cupboard. Although we actually know, 
we will actually know uh, who you know who he is and what's happened to him. Um, so Ahmed Khalil, who is Latoni, uh, she she manages to maintain her dignity while doing this, Barbara Murray. But also, I think there is a certain sense of going, I'm on the edge of insanity here. Um, uh, but Ahmed Khalil is in the brilliant Gangsters by Philip Martin. Uh, and I think ends up eventually having top billing because Morris Colburn get, gets his credit at the, at the end of the opening title sequence and the wonderful music and the sort of Birmingham uh, city landscape with that music. And Ahmed Khalil, yeah, gets top billing because it's a very multicultural uh, show. And he's brilliant in it as this sort of uh, as this sort of policeman. Um, and he's and he's the sort of he's the main guy, really, uh, uh, helping helping the lead. Um, Morris Colborn, uh, and it's a it's a great moment for him. He's, he's still around. I think he makes lots of films uh, abroad now. Um, uh, but he was yeah, so st- still still going. I uh, uh, but he's had an amazing uh, career, and of course had to obviously probably come in and do a a lot of ADR work for this because I think that that scene where he's talking to uh, Lady Cranley in in part one, it's all, it's obviously all done in uh, in. Uh, ADR, you know, post-dubbed. Um, I don't think Latoni is the best part for uh, dear Mr. Khalil, but uh, uh, he's a he's a good actor, and it's nice that uh, he's one of the the, the many to have uh, etched his name on the Doctor Who notice board, as it were. Um, he's, I mean, for somebody who's lost his mind, G- George Cranley is pretty cunning isn't he i mean he's he's worked out this whole plan to disguise himself as the doctor um learn how to stand up straight and not dribble for a charleston <laughs> um oh you couldn't be bored by murray watson uh what a what a charming gentleman he was very very old by the time i visited him and was very stooped and his house in barnes but he's in the quatermass experiment and he's actually not very good in it um, it's, I think it's the only time I've ever seen him not be particularly good, but uh, it's a it's a, it's a very early performance from him, and he couldn't quite work out why he'd been given the part in the Quatermass Experiment because he then doesn't do another telly for a while, um, and, and he disappears after episode two as well. And he's yeah he he's he's a bit too large, um, but thereafter he calmed himself down and he is is an effortlessly charming performer, very good at uh, you know that this sort of acting that he does in this. Um, great for brigadiers and you know military men and you know uh, chief constables, um, and uh, yeah, he. Uh, what was I saying about him? So he yes, he's in the he's in the Quatermass experiment, uh, and I can't. Oh, and he was living in Barnes, literally round the corner from uh, Judith Kerr who was, the, well, and indeed Nigel Neal, but I think he might have moved there after Nigel Neal had died. But when I went to visit him, I was like, oh, Judith Kerr lives literally round the corner. Uh, and and he said he used to see her all the time. Uh, and then I subsequently visited her, but he, he'd since passed away, bless him. Um, but I suspect that house in Barnes went for a tidy penny. And his, his daughter was an actress called Emma Watson, who has relinquished her name to equity because there is another Emma Watson and I think uh, Murray's daughter had gone. I'm, you know, yeah, all right, I won't be using it anymore. Uh, and but Emma Watson is married to 
Rupert Van Sittart, who is in Aliens of London, World War Three. So there is a connection with Doctor Who that runs through the family, uh, uh, th- beyond through Murray Watson and beyond. Uh, so, um, Adric, yeah, Adric, Adric, Adric's, they've decided that Adric hasn't got much to do in this story. Love the fact he's still got his badge for mathematical excellence on his costume. He says he hasn't had breakfast and then picks up a spring onion. If you haven't had breakfast, the last thing you want to cleanse your palate with is a spring onion. Um, uh, I, I, I wonder what it is that Brewster uh, whispers to Lord Cranley and because he doesn't have long. He says, somebody's died. I think you better come with me. Um, but yeah, they have. They've decided. Adric, Adric hasn't got much to do in this story, so they think. Well, let's just make him greedy because he's so charming. Otherwise, let's let's give him let's give him an annoying character trait. Um, it is in keeping because he does ask that nice lady for cheese in uh, State of Decay, doesn't she? In case the uh, uh, in in case in, in case the performance is being so charming that we're two one over. Um, <laughs> Now, I always say it's a terrible thing. I'm quite fastidious about personal hygiene. And I don't, I think George Cranley with his dribbling, and I shouldn't, if, and I don't think he can brush his teeth very well. Um, uh, I, I, I think you'd know if somebody, if I think you know if uh, a, a dribbling madman had been wearing your mask. I mean, if you, when Davison does that uh, that running gag in Warriors of the Deep, where he goes, what have you been eating? Uh, I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't put the mask on here and goes, who has been dribbling in my fancy dress costume? Um, but but there we go. That, that's just me thinking about things like that. Uh, I like the fact that, um, well, one, they do that wonderful thing, don't they, where um, uh, I think we've just missed it, where um, uh they said, Sir Robert, doesn't he, says, well, what, what about the other one? No, that was the other one or something. I.e. I suddenly going, oh, the, the, these, you know, they're, they're not us. Uh, and suddenly the, uh, the bonhomie and the, and the hospitality becomes uh, you're actually f- from elsewhere. And, and I think, I, and, and it's nicely done by um, Murray Watson because, again, it's sort of suggesting yeah we'll we, the, the, there is a, there is a sort of slightly dark undercurrent to this proper uh, englishness uh and which of course this story is about because lady cranley now you know is is wants to maintain a particular facade um i mean f- for a bit um uh and this is this is quite nice how the doctor is suddenly in in hot water i think he even says that doesn't he um that suddenly that thing of oh i can just sort of storm in and uh, and uh, you know win people over, but the minute something goes wrong, the fact that you don't know my name, the fact that I don't have any identity, the fact that I can't really explain where I come from, suddenly means I look really suspicious. Uh, and so this is really good because suddenly the doctor's being painted into a corner by nothing, and and Sir Robert Muir is actually here not being particularly unpleasant you know he's 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 all a bit sort of fair play isn't he? he's like come on mate have you got any idea we have to do this properly uh so it's not even like he's a a psychotic ship's captain or something who who's who's gunning for the doctor anyway and or, or a paranoid crew who just want to pick on you know the obviously the one person that they don't know uh this this is this is he's, he's actually trying to be you know sir robert is actually the dark undercurrent aside 
um, trying trying to be a reasonable fellow. And I and I like that bit where he says, where the doctor says, you know, and also I wouldn't do it because it's just not critic cricket. And he goes, well, I, I approve of the sentiment, so I like that. I think that's all sweet. I also like the fact that um, Sir Robert, you know, calls Lady Cranley Madge, um, uh, and I think. I think um, Lord Cranley calls Sir Robert Bob at one point. You know, I, be- I, I it's a little bit of world building. It's a little bit of people who know each other call people by different names than what their characters are known to by other people. And and that just makes the world seem a little bit more realistic and is not hugely common in Doctor Who, actually. In, they have it in Power of the Daleks where Valmar gets called Val by Janley. And I like that because you would do that. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a plausible contraction and it just makes the world more real. Whereas this dance is obviously happening somewhere outside the Arctic circle. They all look absolutely freezing. That's, that's like, that's like dawn on, uh, 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 on, I was going to say Mars, but I think Mars is probably quite hot. Um, that's uh, yeah, it's like, it's like dawn in Greenland where they're having a dance there. Uh, and that's quite nice that you have the dull, uh, where the body was, uh, it's quite a sort of parody of what has been seen before. So it's not just that she's, you know, it's not just the the denial. It's the actually they're really setting him up and and uh, rubbing it in, and it and it does give us the nice ear, doesn't it? Where where he says uh, uh, he was Brazilian, and the doctor does the rather lame "Where the nuts come from," which is a uh, a line from Charlie's aunt. But the way that he the way that he does it, I seem to remember in a minute is 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 sort of a bit uh, yeah it's a bit lame isn't it and deliberately so um yeah here it is yeah where the nuts come from <laughs> yes that's very good <laughs> even he knows it. so so um he knows it's a slightly lost cause so i mean i i, I haven't quite figured out george cranley oh yeah this is the brilliant bit isn't it where a murder has just happened and lord cranley's going well hello smutty now that chap uh you you, you said to us <laughs> whose name i've never asked and, pr- and presumably you didn't tell me either um i don't know <laughs> but, but yes he was a marvelous marvelous batsman and bowler I'll, I'll tell you about the murder in a minute um but because he's here, isn't he, George? Because Latoni uh, has saved him and brought him back and befriended him. Uh, and Latoni's reward is to be stuck up in an attic with him, reading a book. <laughs> um, Bob, there we go. Ah, and here are the police, as played by Ivor Salter from The Mythmakers and the Space Museum. Uh, and behind him is that's Jimmy Muir, isn't it? James Muir, who's a perennial extra. Uh, he, you can see him in all sorts: Pirate Planet, Shadow. He's in loads and loads and loads of different ones. Uh, he's he's another of the sort of Pat Gorman ilk. Uh, somebody should track down James Muir actually and have a bit of a chat with him. Yeah, because he's in loads of different Doctor Who's. Um, they they do like to. That's what I was going to say about Sir Robert. That that sort of undercurrent of darkness that I suggested is it's in the book, isn't it? Where he t- he turns from really nice to to, to pretty vindictive, um, uh, and 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 they are you know they're not they're they're they're, uh, they're um, you know they're not sparing in what they're intending to, to do, having been so hospitable, but. Um, how many times does he escape? Does he escape all the time, George Cranley? Or is this just a particularly unlucky day? Because he's escaped twice in very quick succession. Um, so Ivor Salter, yes, is Odysseus in 
uh, the Mythmakers, and he blusters his way through uh, the Space Museum. I can't, I'm sure Maureen O'Brien says in the commentary, this is an actor really, really in trouble, because you can tell he's not quite sure what he's going to say till he gets to the end of the sentence. Um, obviously, Telly has made slightly different by this time, and he'd been a regular in Crossroads. Uh, he was uh, Alan Curtis from the War Machines, knew and worked with Ivor Salter a few times, and said that that Salter was a very bad drunk. Uh, he said a lovely man and a good actor, but uh, when he had a drink, he would turn, and he'd see him. He'd seen him snarl and uh, lose his rag, and you know, I think knock a tray of drink. So you know, uh, you know, you've, we've I'm sure we've all encountered people like that who suddenly change uh, under the influence and uh, and Salter was one of those uh, sadly uh, he uh, he died about 10 years after this he's only 55 here uh, you can tell he's a bit of a drinker can't you um, died died early 90s so he's only about 65 when he died um, but he is he does have another Doctor Who connection because he's the ticket inspector on the uh, London Underground in uh, the Lenny Henry Doctor Who sketch ha 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 so there we go. So he's got another uh, claim to Doctor Who fame. But this is a really odd way of storytelling, isn't it? So how do we get them to believe that the Doctor's not a murderer in this story that is entirely historical? Um, well, let's get him to demonstrate that he's from time and space. I mean, you know, this this story could have been told without the Doctor ever having to let on that he's an alien. And in fact, I think it might have been better for it. But instead, he just sort of goes, well, if I show you if I'm from space, will that kind of explain everything to you? Which is a really odd storytelling beat, especially as 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 Lady Cranley is now telling uh, 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 Lord Cranley uh, the entire truth. And he's going, well, so actually that's that's the whole case rumbled. And Lady Cranley's going, oh, no, he'll be fine because he's innocent. So everybody's motives doing what they're doing are, are, are a bit muddled I'd say oh you saw Timothy Block then and he's not credited in this episode so ooh, I'd have had a word with my agent about that because uh, I'm, I'm there present in the episode even if I'm not speaking I'm hired as an actor I'm not an extra oh um, so anyway <laughs> he does that he does that very well actually uh, I've assaulted there won't be any room uh, I I like that, but it is it, it that's I think that's a really odd story. But every time the Doctor went into history and was in trouble, he said, "Shall I show you that I've got a spaceship?" Um, uh, oh yeah, so so Latoni, who has has uh, very kindly saved George Cranley and somehow transported him from Brazil to here, uh, uh, the first thing he does when he escapes is kill him. Um, and you could say, okay, his what? I mean, his his mind is bent, as Lilo would say. Um, so I, I but unless except for when it comes for dance-based subterfuge. Um, but there we go. Uh, I've I've got to accentuate the positive. But Terence Dudley's an odd fish, isn't he? I'm not quite sure how Terence Dudley ended up. I mean, it's odd. He's one of those rare people, isn't he? Because he's, he's or, 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 yeah, rare rare people. He's written and directed. Uh, for Doctor Who um, but as with Forty Doomsday which I found rather charming this 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 is this does do some rather odd beats I would say for for a Doctor Who story um, strike me pink 
Oh, bless him. This is Andrew Terrell, who was a very uh, useful um, sort of light comedy actor who was in sitcoms. He was in No Place Like Home and he was a regular in uh, uh, Waiting for God. Um, uh, who who uh, he knew Daniel Hill very well because Dan Hill was in both of those series I just mentioned, and I don't I know Daniel, uh, and uh, and he said that Andrew just yeah had a had a got a brain tumor and died very young, fifty seven, uh, uh, in the early two thousands. So cut very short, sadly. Um, and and you know as I say had a had a useful career that you could have in the sort of seventies and eighties on BBC television as a sort of light. Uh, charming light comedy presence um, Stripe me pink and he's quite fun in this it's got a nice little cameo as a as is it constable coming <laughs> oh poor old Anne um, uh, now the house is on fire this is oh this is, is this what George Cra oh I see yes he's burnt he's burnt the door down in order to get get out of the door um, it's a good job he's played by a stuntman isn't it but um, yeah, he's burnt the door down to get out of the door, which again is, of course, it's because he's 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 mad he's he's mad, so he's mad. Um, I, I and I would question uh, uh, the 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 Cranleys um, keeping George upstairs with his hands and legs tied up. Uh, as actually, it's three times he's escaped, isn't it? Because he escapes at the at the very beginning to kill Digby. Then he escapes to go and do the dance, and then he's escaped again. That's, th I mean, one, you could think was carelessness, but three times. Uh, I like the way that she does this line here. That thing, as you call him, is my eldest son, George. I, li I like the way that she does that. Barbara Bar Murray has a lovely uh, a, a tremor to her voice, and she's a, she was a terrific actress, she was, and she's beautiful in uh, The Plane Makers. She's Patrick Wymark's wife who he treats very badly, all the women are treated very badly in the plane makers. If you've never seen the plane makers, there's lots of men shouting in an office, but it's marvellous. Everyone drinking and smoking at lunchtime and yelling at each other about business and affairs. Uh, it's great. <laughs> um, uh, and this is all done, you know, this is all very nicely done with economy. It's a beautiful house. So the house is on fire. I've just bunged a smoke machine on the top, haven't they? Um, Gareth Milne playing the unknown is a stunt man. I've never seen him interviewed. He's another one that needs to be interviewed. There's lots of people from this story that should be interviewed. Uh, it's not going to happen for the Blu-ray now. Oh, I think Alex Moore might have interviewed Gareth Milne, but I'm surprised he hasn't because he was Davison's stunt double in Androzani as well. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, uh, I'm surprised he's. Uh, and I, in fact, I think that's Gareth Milne as well, climbing up and being, being Michael Cochrane's stunt double too. Um, I was pleased that Michael Cochrane's character, that Lord Cranley was doing the heroic stuff here, because as I say, I was very taken with him as a kid. He was he was my idea of what a sort of dashing hero type should be. And isn't it nice here that while this is happening, the, uh, uh, Lady Cranley and uh, Sir Robert sort of explain the plot to each. Well, she explains the plot to him for our for our uh, use whilst whilst the action is getting to the point where we need to see it. So I mean, it's it's quite. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not particularly artfully done, is it? But um, uh, it's it's very handy. Uh, yeah, info drop, info drop, info drop. Just in time for Lord Cranley to get to the top of the to the top of the house. Well done, though. You could uh, could be a steeplejack if uh, if it wasn't for all your inherited wealth. Um, 
so yeah, actually he's doing the heroic stuff here, but now the Doctor's here on top. So yeah, Terence Dudley is a is an odd choice, and I don't think Eric Say would like Terence Dudley. I'm sh- I'm sure I've read a memo recently where he sort of says, I don't know why you're being so patronising to me. They were arguing about feedback, I think. Um, and so, I mean, it actually doesn't take that much to resolve the story, does it? That's a beautiful red uh, piece of uh, ivy or whatever it is on the back of the thing. Anyway, don't be distracted by plants. Um, it doesn't take uh, much to actually resolve the plot. I don't know what these tribes people have done to him. I mean, uh, yes, they cut his tongue out, but um, what did they do to his face? Uh, but, uh, you know, I think my partner, where she watching, would have something to say about, you know, the depiction of uh, disability and difference and all that sort of thing, which, again, like like women fainting is a sort of trope is, you know, people who who, who you know, have have, you know, physical deformities are, you know, have to have a sort of broken mind and be somehow, you know, subhuman in other ways and it's a it's a depiction that you know does not age well and and even now you know on television there's often you know the person with the melty face is the bad one because their their motivation for being bad is because of their melty face um which you know is says a lot about how we view what is in inverted commas different and i've become a bit more sensitive to this now that i uh spend a lot more time with uh, members of the disabled community particularly uh, you know performers from the disabled community but uh that aside uh, gareth milne did a very good stunt there where he actually missed the boxes so that thud as he hits the ground is a real one but he survived i like what i really like about this is that that they hang around for the funeral because that would have been well, at least a week i should think and that everybody's dressed in funeral gar- did they did did the doctor and Adric really go to the funeral dress like if somebody turned up to a, my son's funeral in Adric's pajamas I'd kick him in the bollocks um, but I like the fact that the Cranleys are all dressed in black and that gives it a bit of the the, the realism and, and 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 I like it when there's a suggestion that you know they've stayed beyond the adventuring you know and, and probably had a bit of a wind down and perhaps eaten the rest of that fish <laughs> um, so I think that's quite sweet um it's a funny old thing though isn't it um and yes the i i i'm not quite sure um yeah that the whole sort of backstory the info dump of the backstory about he met the tribe and they were horrible to him and then another tribe were nice to him and then somehow latoni negotiated travel and customs to, to get him back home uh and then what we did when we got him back home was just locked him in the attic with the bloke who'd rescued him, uh, who we made just sit with him and read a book. Um, but, you know, there's there's plenty in there that Doctor Who does well that brushes over the cracks. But I, I, I think Terence Dudley is a, is a strange writer for Doctor Who. He really is. But I like the fact that Black Orchid exists, that if I'm in the mood for a piece of early Davison and I want one that uh, hasn't got, you know sci-fi elements to it i've got that choice that, that it's not just the and you know I, I love the hartnell historicals um but i have to say i probably don't choose to watch them as often as i do the others so is that a little bit of me liking the idea that i like the historicals because a lot of people don't like the historicals so if i like the historicals it means i'm being you know i'm being person of eclectic palette but i do, I do think the bbc does that stuff well i think i think they seem you know much more elegant uh than uh, uh you know than a lot of doctor productions which have to try and be spangly and futuristic so 
you know it's got the ballast of all that stuff that the that the bbc does well and all those actors um so what are my favorite well my favorite thing about episode two and then my favorite thing through of you know of the whole lot well um my favorite bit of episode two is i think i mean i i do love the way that what is it when 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 money watson goes no no that was that was the other one uh or, or whatever it is early, early in the i like that slight suggestion of of an undercurrent beneath the veneer and it's and it's just sprinkled very lightly and, and as i say I've, I've hold my hands up to the fact that i'm i'm probably influenced by the book where i think that is more apparent but i just like that that little bit of you know that we we can for, for all our good manners and our ideas and all of this sort of thing if, if you cross as well one you know lady cranley sort of it's if it's expedient to frame you i will and sir robert is and if i've decided you're a wrong and i'm you know i might be quite cold and vindictive uh, i like that i like that so the undercurrent to the you know all the nice tropes of, of costume drama that we have and i think and i think my my bonus thing my overall thing is just it's the bbc it's the bbc's um the, the ballast provided by the various BBC departments that make this sort of stuff just seem effortlessly good. And there's a lot of training. There's a lot of education. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of artisanship. There's a lot of skill. There's a lot of, uh, you know, learned study to recreate, you know, period costumes, set dressing, set design. So Tony Burroughs set design and Rosalind Ebert's costumes, I think, in particular um uh you know make that this even this as as we've said you know almost gleefully inconsequential slice of doctor who that does have its problems at a scripting level it really i mean i, I think it has some quite severe problems at a scripting level it's still quite a there's still plenty to feast on while you're while you're watching it that 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 means you sort of go but that's all right that's all right because that's not really what i'm here for i'm here for the cricket match and the dancing and the, the the fact that those actors just you know you 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 just sort of plonk them in and they're there fully formed because they're so good i mean i do a, i'll do, my my sort of little personal bonus is i'll add murray watson because he was just one of the nicest people uh yeah what a what a gent um but it's you know that that cast that 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 trio of Murray Watson, uh, Barbara Murray and and Michael Cochran are just so perfect and I love Michael Cochran. I'd love the opportunity to work with Michael Cochran. I'd get an email off him. He he said uh, he, you know he'd do, he'd do a who's round, but it'd have to be when he was in London and then you know it it it, it didn't have for various reasons. But uh, I've had an email from I had an email from Michael Cochran, but I'd love to meet and and work with him because I think he's a a terrific actor, still going strong, still doing work, and he's in the Archers. Love him. Um, but no, uh, I'm going to go for that that the the BBC design, you know, notably the the Tony Burrow and Ros Ebert's stuff and yeah i i don't think i don't think steve's gonna choose i think either of those because he said he nearly mentioned the design in part one didn't he so i'm gonna get nowhere but i don't care what steve gonna mention as his thing for part two and his bonus thing right uh for episode two i'm plumping for sarah sutton's performance as anne tolbert uh she gives us such an effervescent performance as mrs double 
Uh, I can only imagine that kind of Sarah Sutton must have jumped at the chance to play her. I mean, I, I was never the, the biggest Nissa fan. Uh, I don't really think that Sarah Sutton really got to show off how good she really was playing her. But as Anne, she's just a joy. Uh, and, it, and in my head, there's a version of the Davison era in which Nissa was killed off in Black Orchid and Anne replaced her in the TARDIS. <laughs> and I just love the idea of this flapper debutante encountering Daleks and Cybermen and Tractators and everything being a jolly wheeze. Uh, if only. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, come into that now because he's left a pause like a true pro. Well, I, I mean I mentioned Nissa and Anne as my thing for part one, and and I think he's right. I think Sarah Sutton is a better actress than she's allowed to be in uh, Doctor Who. Often, I mean, it's telling that she cause she has a ball in Arc of Infinity when it's just her and the Doctor, and I, I know that Peter Davison sort of wanted to keep her on because he thought he worked particularly well. Uh, with her and I love that and what did he say flapper debutante he's got a good way with words hasn't he um uh that uh, Anne uh traveling with the, the the TARDIS crew I think is a cracking idea they could have probably done that couldn't they <laughs> that was the final swap oh well they've gone off in their TARDIS now I can marry you Anne Anne are you sure oh that would have been brilliant they could have left it on that note that would have been hilarious um ha <laughs> um but yes that's a good choice I couldn't really have chosen that for my episode two because i sort of chose that for episode one but i i'm not sure i can give myself a point for that because i was more about i mean i did mention that i think sarah sutton is very good at differentiating the two characters but i think i was a bit broader than that i don't know if you want to give me a point if the independent podcast ombuds people want to give me a point for that they can uh and what's steve's bonus thing going to be okay uh now for my bonus uh favorite thing from black orchid uh i'm going to go for Adric's gluttony oh uh so many stories uh, simply don't really know what to do with the character but actually he's probably at his best when he's simply being comic relief i think uh so after all these stories that hammered home how mathematically brilliant he is it's just so humanizing to see that he's happiest at a buffet uh and if i was moved at all a few weeks later by his death it probably had a fair bit to do with kind of loving him in this story so yeah, Adric and his love of cold cuts, uh, that's my bonus. Now that's into now you see that is Steve doing what this podcast is all about, which is accentuating the positive. He has given a positive read to the thing that to a thing that <laughs> that I don't particularly love because I just see that as them going, what should we give Adric to do? Let's give him a personality trait. Should we, should, what do we do we think we should give him a personality trait that makes him more likable oh no because he's got likability in spades let's get let's give him a personality trait that make him a bit annoying should we do we not have we, have we not got the annoying thing no no um but you see steve has spun that or has, has, has rationalized it for himself or has enjoyed it uh in in a positive way so good steve has well, it truly beaten me there because he's he's beaten me to the ethos of what all this is about. I mean, it's astonishing, really, is that that's Adric's final flourish before his death story. Isn't it bizarre as well that Earthshock is next? That's the beauty of Doctor Who. It's gone from that and, and yeah, what Adric does in that uh, to, to then throwing him full, full, full steam ahead to his final doomed adventure. Uh, and we've gone from that, you know, all flappers and screwdrivers and charlsons into, you know, gloomy corridors, you know, squelchy android death and uh, marching cybermen in silos. Love it. Love a bit of Doctor Who. That's why it's such a great show. Um, 
And it's brought me into the orbit of people like Steve O'Brien, who I like very much, whose work I would urge you to check out. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's, he manages to mix, you know, erudition and knowledge of the subject with uh, uh, a, a good turn of phrase and a, and a, and a, 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 and a and a sort of a, amusement that is never at the expense of, you know, sometimes, you know, funny writers, I think, you know, sometimes too concerned with being funny that they lose sight of the, you know, the thing that they're writing about. I don't think Steve ever does that. He's uh, he's he's got a natural wit, um, but uh, he's he's always a servant to the, you know, to the job at hand, which is assessing the piece of television or, or film, but uh, the television that uh, that is under his microscope. Um, so Black Orchid couldn't have wished for a better advocate. Uh, and because uh, I don't think it particularly had one in me, I try. You know, I tried. I, I, it's fine, isn't it? It's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely production. It's got lots of lovely moments. Davison is brilliant. All those actors are brilliant. It looks gorgeous. Uh, it's just a very, very oddly plotted thing. I really think some, some of the bits you, you, you'd read and go, really? I, I think we might need another go at this. Um, but it's all sleight of hand, isn't it? It's all a bit of a, 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 a magician's flourish uh, uh, with all those sort of distracting, you know, uh, settings and designs and backdrops. And, and I think and all that chance and music and all that is lovely, is lovely. So a lovely... And the fact that we have coming up now to 60 years, but even if it had just been the 26 years of, of, uh, of Doctor Who... Um, it can afford to have a charming two-part interlude into the 1920s with the doctor getting mistaken for a cricketing doctor. Uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, Black Orchid has its place in the Doctor Who canon. Uh, and yes, it would be put, even if it's not hugely better for it, it would be poorer without it. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, I'm damning you with faint praise, Black Orchid, but uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, that was that was a, an enjoyable interlude. Um, but I do think of the of the two parties. I'm, uh, I, I think, I think the Awakening is my favourite. I think the Awakening is a genuinely strong Doctor Who story. I like that a lot. Uh, but anyway, um, I. I, I may not have mustered as much enthusiasm as I liked, but uh, uh, you got more out of me than if you cut my tongue out and tied me up. So for that, I think we can all be grateful. Well, until next time, uh, 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 thank you very much for watching and uh, happy times and places to you and yours. And thanks to Steve O'Brien. Goodbye. Thanks ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is Steve O'Brien, who can be found on Twitter at Mrs. Steve M. O'Brien. Uh, I'd like to thank him 
and all the patrons who are locked upstairs in an attic and yet still have the wherewithal to contribute and make these podcasts possible. And they include Thomas Gerrier, Paul J. Guest, Robin Groen, Lisa Gledhill, Ginger Animator, Charles Gears, David Gillespie, Paul Gibbons, Mark Findlay-Smith, Andrew Egan, Andrew East, Paul Dykes, Drew, Tim Dickinson, Ian Dean, Shanty Day, Robert Davies, Hugh Davies, Chris Davies, Rob Dawson, Matt Dale, Paul Philip Dahlgren, Simon Curtis, Dave Curran, Lee Kremin, Philip Craggs, Peter Crocker, Ben Cowdell, Leslie Coots, Paul Connell, Matt Corner, Martin Cook, Ben Cook, Paul Colnaghi and Simon Coling. The music is by Dave Gates, the artwork by Dylan Patterson. And if you would like to join that illustrious list of attic-dwelling patrons, uh, please, uh, well, it's better than reading Latone's book, isn't it? Um, uh, please go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, uh, you get advanced releases, bonus material, um, uh, you know, interviews with, uh, with, with production personnel or actors, uh, yeah, that that uh, that I haven't been releasing anywhere else. All sorts of goodies, three pounds a month, and you know what? On top of that, you could get a ten percent discount if you sign up for a whole year. Uh, so uh, that's less than thirty quid for a whole year, where you get three releases per week at least. That doesn't include the pictures of my dog. Three actual podcasties slash videoe, uh, you know, content. I think they call it as uh, the ship sets sail for the cultural and language apocalypse that currently threatens to engulf us. But uh, yeah, and uh, I'm very, very grateful to the patrons and the patron model for making this sort of thing possible. Um, You can go to Ko-fi as well if you do not want to commit to a monthly thing, and I totally understand that. Times are tough. Uh, But if if I do one you particularly like or you're feeling particularly flush or I'm sounding particularly wan and hungry, you go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock and pay, you know, in any denomination that you like. So if you want to throw me a shekel or uh, uh, give me the holiday change that you found down the back of the sofa, I actually, I, I, I don't think you can do that, but um, you could try. Um, uh, but what costs you nothing, and as I say, I know times are tight, and I'm just very grateful to you for listening. Um, you can go to Podbean and iTunes and everywhere on the internet. Tell the world uh, how much you enjoy these if you do. Five stars is a really helpful rating to uh, separate us from the crowd uh, and a couple of lines of review everywhere and anywhere just uh, helps to make people aware of these and if people are aware of them they might listen and if they listen they might enjoy it and who knows they may have a slightly more diverting day than they otherwise would have done Uh, I'm on Twitter at Toby Haydoke. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian as well. I'm at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club every Tuesday at 8pm in Manchester. We also have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey, where you can watch an archive of the shows we did as the pestilence gripped us. But we carried on entertaining the nation and indeed the world. And in fact, we did do the world because we had comics from the international comedy circuit, um, some of uh, whom were making uh, their first appearances for us, but uh, some some fantastic lineups. And the, you know the cream of the crop uh, of of British comedians from uh, Ed Gamble, James A. Caster, Zoe Lyons, Hal Cruttenden, Nish Kumar, uh, Mark Watson. Uh, we got some uh, some extraordinary people, uh, and uh, some of those are on our archive. Twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey.
I'm actually supposed to be having a day off today instead of uh, recording these credits because I've been a bit poorly. I've been in bed, but uh, I had to get up to do uh, a Doctor Who a DVD commentary uh, via the Zoom and the clean feed uh, for a forthcoming Doctor Who electronic device release. Um, you know, physical, physical, it's that their physical media. So because I'm in my cupboard of voice, um, uh, I've got these on the old uh, garage band ready to go. So um, uh, even though I've been told by uh, she who must be obeyed um, that I'm not to do any work today, uh, I'm just polishing these off so that they are ready for your consumption. But I think that allows me to not be very interesting <laughs> on this bit. Um, no change there, say the, the, the illustrious bevy of uh, those desperate to oh suck the marrow uh, from these podcasts by listening to the bitter bitter end well, is that a mixed metaphor is marrow bitter i should i don't you know what i'm i'm not sure i've ever had marrow i'm uh, not an eater of meat and haven't been since i was 11 years old so even if i have eaten marrow i have no memory of what it tastes like um sounds like it's very nutritious though i think bernard would probably like a bit of marrow um as opposed to marrow, the vegetable marrow, which is basically a courgette that's gone wrong. It's basically a, like a courgette that somebody has injected with water until it's a big, fat, watery courgette. And uh, I think when I became vegetarian, I imagined I would just be eating lots of pizza and uh, Finder savoury pancakes. Uh, and my mum had other ideas because she wanted nutrition and I think needed somewhere for the marrows to go. Stuffed marrow is perhaps the greatest crime ever perpetrated uh, on uh, it, it certainly tests your resolve to to uh, maintain a meat-free diet um i i bet they didn't have any stuffed marrow uh, it, it, i don't think brewster proffered the side of a stuffed marrow for lady cranley's approval at uh, at the cranley buffet um uh, in black orchid town anyway i don't know how we got on to marrows but this is the quality content which you can stay to the very end for um so lucky you <laughs>